You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Monday, July 12th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com, and today our episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I hope you had a very good 4th of July and the week that followed. I did. I met up with some friends who I had not seen in a couple of years. But we are back today to talk about the New York Jets as training camp approaches in a couple of weeks. The Jets will be preparing for the 2021 season. And on today's show, I want to take a look at where things currently stand with the New York Jets big picture. It has been a long couple of years for the New York Jets and their fans. In fact, you could even say it's been a long decade. The Jets have missed the playoffs 10 straight years, and we've been through false starts. We've been through failed rebuilds. We've heard frequently that the Jets are heading in the right direction. They're just in the middle of a rebuild. That's why things don't look so good right now. And in all honesty, that's something a lot of failed NFL franchises will tell you. When they are losing games, the only thing they can possibly sell their fans on is the idea that they are rebuilding. And in many cases, including many we have seen over the last decade with the Jets, it's been total nonsense. The Jets have made a lot of really bad moves. They have been directionless for most of the past decade. They have had general managers who either had bad plans or had no plans at all. You know, if you look back to Mike McCagnan, it seemed like his idea of building was just signing as many players as he could get in free agency, just offering everybody a contract and whoever took the contract would come on the team. And somehow it didn't matter whether they fit the system the coaches were running. It didn't matter whether they played the right positions that the team needed. It didn't matter whether they the premium positions went on. It felt like that was kind of the philosophy. Prior to him, you had John Idzik, who really, I think, was kind of ill-equipped to handle the general manager job in New York. I don't think he understood the public-facing nature of the job, did not play the media game very well. But beyond that, it seems to me like he did not handle the internal politics of the organization very well. He did not provide the drastic overhaul the scouting staff needed. And while I appreciated on some level that he took to, took a disciplined approach to free agency, it, it frequently felt like he had no plan B, that if a position went unaddressed because he could not sign the first player he wanted, there was no backup plan there. And then you had Mike Tannenbaum, who did have a plan. It always felt to me like Mike Tannenbaum's plan was to just focus on your problems today, use whatever resources you can and worry about tomorrow tomorrow. Even if a move you made today strengthens the team today but hurts it tomorrow, you deal with that tomorrow. And it worked well for a couple of years, but then eventually the bill came due and some other bad decisions came into play. Now we're here with Joe Douglas, and Douglas is technically entering his third year as Jets general manager, but to me this is almost like the first year where you can really say this is Joe Douglas's team. Now back in 2019... I don't think you could really say that's Joe Douglas's team at all. There were a few moves he made. I know he did sign Ryan Khalil at the beginning of training camp, but 
the roster was really built by Mike McCagnan. And Douglas was able to tinker a little bit last offseason, try and make some Band-Aid moves to hopefully, he was hoping to make some spots better, and they mostly failed. But even last year, I thought Douglas was kind of limited in what he was able to do. And I do think you need to note that last offseason, most of his free agent signings failed, and those go on his record. But there's a difference between saying that signing wasn't very good and saying that signing is a clear indication that this guy cannot handle the general manager job. I don't think we're there yet. And part of that's because I think this is the first year that's really, this is Joe Douglas's team. And success or failure, I think this year is all on Joe Douglas. He has a new head coach. He He has a head coach he hired. He has a quarterback he picked. That was not true the last two years. He had a head coach somebody else hired, even though there were plenty of reports that he and Adam Gase had a good relationship. He had a quarterback somebody else drafted in Sam Darnold, even though there were reports that Douglas liked Darnold when he was drafted. And if you look at the last couple of years, I I mean, I've heard some criticisms that Douglas did not give Darnold the necessary tools to succeed. Well, you know, I don't know that that's really on Douglas. I think it's more on Mike McCagnon. But beyond that... In retrospect, and this is oversimplifying things, but you know Douglas may not have been as married to Darnold as we all thought he was. And that goes back to the idea that when you did not pick a quarterback, it's much easier, easier to move on because it's not on your record. You know, if Zach Wilson fails as, as Jets quarterback and Joe, Joe Douglas remains the general manager, it's going to be much more difficult for Douglas to move on from Wilson because the team will look back on him. You know, the ownership will say, well, this was your pick. Now you're saying you didn't pick well. Well, how can we trust you to pick a quarterback? So Douglas may not have been, and I guess in retrospect, I guess he he wasn't as married to Sam Darnold as we all thought he was. And part of that came back to how poorly Sam played last year. But now we have Joe Douglas with his team. He's put his stamp on this team. And at this point in time, now he's only had two draft classes. I don't think that's enough to say this should be a playoff team, because draft classes need years to emerge. They need years to develop. They need years to emerge, and this is only his second draft class. And plenty of people are optimistic about Douglas's draft classes. Well, that's always the way it is. One year after you pick players, they're entering their second season in the NFL. You're always very optimistic about them. You you always look at what they did well as rookies and say, well, if they can build on that, they'll be good players. The truth is, we don't know. We don't know how good they're going to be. But this year, I do think there are there are expectations on this team. Douglas's technical first season in 2019 was really I, the only way I could describe it, it was it was a year of dysfunction with the Jets. I mean, nothing the Jets did made sense to me that off season. And I mean, you can listen to. I mean, it, it's probably not a very enjoyable listen to have me on every day complaining about how dumb the team was, but the team was really dumb. I mean, they made none of the moves that made any sense and they did not fit together at all. For me, 2020 was kind of a year of evaluation. And I kind of laid this out last off season. And I made the point then that, you know, it really was not Douglas's team, even though he had the full off season to build the jets, they were dealing with issues that, were left by the previous general manager. He did not have the resources to overhaul the team completely. And I think as much as anything, I'm not saying the Jets were trying to lose last year. I think they were trying to win. I think they were hoping to have a successful season. But ultimately, it did not seem like they were going to 
expend future resources trying to improve the 2020 team. If the 2020 team came in ahead of expectations, if some of the band-aids Douglas made worked, if some of the players, some of the young players arrived ahead of schedule and the Jets had a successful season, great. But I I felt like heading into last season, like it was kind of an evaluation year. They were going to test this out. They were going to see who played well, who fit. That includes the quarterback, Darnold. It included the head coach, Adam Gase. Essentially, it was an audition year. It was a chance for everybody to show that they belonged with the team. Well, we all know what happened. They went 2-14, and and there were very few people who had a successful audition, and many of the prominent players from last year's team are no longer here, including the quarterback, including the head coach. This year is the first year of what I would call the real rebuilding process. And what I mean by that is not that there's an excuse to be bad. I'm not using rebuilding as a term to say the Jets should be bad this year. Although I don't, you know, I don't think I'm not sure this is going to be a winning team. But the most important part of the term rebuilding is the building part, and this is the beginning of the build with the new quarterback, the rookie quarterback who has a lot of potential but is still a rookie. With some of the draft picks, this team is not yet full of Joe Douglas draft picks, but he has started to put his imp- his imprint on this roster and this should be a team that's quite a bit improved the record should certainly be better they should not be 2 and 14 this year in fact they won't be 2 and 14 this year cuz there are 17 games so you can't go 2 and 14 in a 17 game season but beyond that it's a year where there should be progress it's difficult to say which win loss record would be sufficient to say this was a successful season for the Jets. I just think it's a situation where you have to look at this at the end of the year and feel good about where this team's heading. You have to feel like this team is moving in the right direction. For me, that's the standard for this year, and I know that that's not exactly specific, but I don't want to say the Jets need to win seven games. I don't want to say the Jets need to win six games because there are scenarios where, you know, if it's not based on young players playing well if it's not based on Zach Wilson improving as the season goes on then I'm not sure how much it means but if you get a team that's really starting to peak near the end of the year the young players are starting to perform well that's a good season you know that that's the kind of season you could feel good about now ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast I'm going to talk about some of the things that I've noticed about Joe Douglas how he's run this team so far in his tenure with the Jets Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. These may be protein bars, but they taste like candy bars. They're delicious. They're covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. And they're healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five. For 15% off at Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R dot com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Monday, talking about where the Jets currently are with a big picture focus. And in this segment, I'd like to talk about some of the things we now know about the way Joe Douglas builds a team. And I think evaluating a general manager is an ongoing process. You revise your views on a general manager each season based on what he does, based on his success or failure. And each season, you get a little bit more of a window into how he operates, the way he wants to build his team. And I think now, a couple of years in, there are some clear points Joe Douglas focuses on 
as he builds his team. I think we can now say which positions he seems to prioritize the most. And this could change. You know, the way general managers operate sometimes changes. Sometimes general managers evolve as the years go by. But there are three positions that you've really seen Joe Douglas focus on in his time with the Jets. You know, and it's funny because every general manager, I feel like at every single introductory press conference, you hear the general manager talk about, we're going to build our team from strong in the trenches. And many do, many do not. Many don't even focus on it. You know, the past Jets general manager seemed to really focus, especially in free agency, on linebacker and running back, which are two of the least important positions in the NFL, quite frankly, at least as far as value goes. Douglas, I think, has focused on three spots, both in the draft and in free agency. One is the offensive line. You know, he famously is a former offensive lineman. And I think it's pretty clear. He's used back-to-back first-round, well, not back-to-back first-round picks because Zach Wilson's in there, but back-to-back years, he has used a first-round pick on the offensive line. But he also stayed focused. He's focused on upgrading the unit, even in unusual points on the calendar. Take the Morgan Moses signing. It felt it seemed like the Jets were going to enter 2021 with four of the five starters from a 2020 unit that was not very good. Douglas, though, went out and got Morgan Moses, a rare June signing of significance in the NFL. And he also, of course, got Connor McGovern last season. And suddenly this Jets offensive line has some potential. You know, you always need to wait to see how the pieces fit together. And so much on the offensive line depends on chemistry. But, you know, I'm beginning to like what I'm seeing on this offensive line. Two first round picks, a couple quality free agents. Even a guy like Greg Van Roten, who, you know, if Greg Van Roten is your fifth best offensive lineman, if he's your worst offensive lineman, you got a shot with your offensive line. Now, if he's like your second best guy, you're in a lot of trouble. But if he's like like your worst offensive lineman as a starting level player, that's pretty good. The second position I think Joe Douglas focuses on is defensive line. Yeah, we saw how many guys the Jets brought in this past offseason. Carl Lawson, Sheldon Rankins, even backup players. You know, there's a focus on getting quality depth on the defensive line in adding Vinnie Curry. And it's interesting because in today's NFL, I mean, there are kind of two premium positions on defense. There are the guys who get after the passer and the guys who cover. And really, you could say edge rusher and corner. You know, you could throw safeties into the mix. You could throw, uh, you know, defensive tackles who pass rush into the mix but I think the two the two focuses on in today's NFL because it's such a passing league are the defensive linemen who get after the quarterback and the defensive backs who cover them and it seems certainly like Douglas is more of a focus on building up front you know at corner he hasn't really invested yet and even at safety you know there have been a few additions you know he brought in LaMarcus Joyner he drafted Ashton Davis in the third round but it seems like Douglas is a guy who focuses much more on the defensive front and then I think you also have to look at wide receiver you know he's drafted a couple of wide receivers in the second round in both Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore he brought in Corey Davis in free agency and even though the receiver room has been crowded, you know, he decided he wanted to keep Jamison Crowder around. Now, he was smart about it because he brought Crowder back at a reduced rate. He did not pay Crowder the crazy money he was set to make. He said, you know, if you're going to stay here, you got to take a pay cut. And I think that that was a pretty good move. And he even got Keelan Cole in free agency, who, you know, is nobody, you know, he's not a dominant player, but he's a quality depth player at the wide receiver position. Douglas has really improved the wide receiver room. Now, the second thing I'd say about Douglas is I think it is kind of clear he has a long-term view. 
And why do I say that? Well, there are, there are a couple of reasons I say that. He's not a guy who's gone out on the first day of free agency and made a bunch of splashes trying to improve the team immediately. You see that frequently in the NFL. You've seen that frequently with other past Jets general managers. He has tried to maintain flexibility. And that's something I think a lot of the good teams in the NFL do. I'm not saying I'm not saying this guarantees that the Jets will become one of the great franchises in the NFL, but I think it's an encouraging sign because teams that you teams that have financial flexibility are able to utilize it when somebody like Morgan Moses becomes available and suddenly you get him at a contract that seems to be a bargain. The other reason I'd say Joe Douglas is focused on the long term is simply what he did last summer with Jamal Adams. You know, he traded his best player before the beginning of training camp for a draft pick. Draft picks are important, but draft picks for next year don't help you this year. He was willing to sacrifice a little bit in the short term for long-term gain. And that brings me to the third thing I think we know about Joe Douglas right now, and that's he does understand the value of a draft pick. You know, he's a guy who seems to always be looking to add picks. The Jets had nine picks in the draft in 2020 and 10 picks in 2021, which is a change. Mike McCagden had a lot of six-player draft classes. The draft is a very inexact science, and I think we don't appreciate how inexact it is. And I think many teams don't appreciate how inexact it is. I mean, I get the feeling there are some teams out there that think they have like 75% of the information they need on a player, and they probably only have like 30%. And maybe the teams that have like 35% have like a slight advantage, but it's tough to draft. It's really tough. It's so inexact because you have to make projections that have so many variables and so many things could throw them off. And many of them are simply not predictable. I mean, players could suffer a career altering injury. You don't know that. So the best way to draft well is to have as many picks as possible. You know, it's not about hitting on a certain percentage of your picks. It's about adding a certain number of players who are cost controlled. And we don't know how good Joe Douglas is at drafting yet. You know, I get emails from time to time from people who are saying, well, you need half, look at, like, look at this rookie class. Half of these guys aren't contributing. Well, there aren't any teams that have half of their rookie class contributing. I mean, it's one of the best drafts of the decade if you have half of your rookie class contributing. I mean, pick the team that you think drafts really well. Pick any team. All you have to do is test. All you have to do is test test this out. Is go online, look at the draft history of some team that you think drafts really well, and look at how many years they've had half of their players contribute as rookies. It's an inexact science, and we don't know yet how good Joe Douglas is. I think everybody's going to be optimistic about his picks at this point in time. Everybody's always optimistic about a GM in his second season. But at the very least, I think he understands the value of the draft pick. And to me, that's a very good thing because the NFL is kind of unique in the sporting landscape because the truly great, the true, the true franchise difference makers tend to not to make free agency. I think for a couple of reasons. I think, first of all, because you have the franchise tag, you got a player who's really good. You have a mechanism to keep him in, on your team, even if you can't work out a long-term deal. I think there's also something unique about football and it is the nature of the sport that produces so many injuries you know football is kind of singular and from that standpoint you know if you're a if you're a high-end player in this league you might take an extension that's 90 that maybe like 80 to 5 to 90 percent of your market value if it's offered to you right now rather than risk playing out an extra year or two and potentially getting hurt and potentially not getting the big contract and this, I think that that's something that prevents a lot of the key players from making it to free agency. I think free agency can be a valuable tool to build your roster, but I don't think you can build your roster through free. I think you, the core of your roster has to come through the draft. And 
the best way to find players through the draft is to have as many picks as possible. And I think Joe Douglas gets that. And again, just having a good plan does not necessarily guarantee success. But having a bad plan almost certainly guarantees failure. And I think what you can see is that at least in broad strokes, the Joe Douglas plan is good. Now, I, I think in broad strokes, the John Idzik plan was pretty good. It's also about execution. But I think that there are some things to be encouraged about that we know about Joe Douglas. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourself customers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so we, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Monday, talking about where the Jets are, looking big picture. I do not think we will know by the end of 2021 whether the current regime is the one that will lead the Jets to glory. I don't think we we will know whether Joe Douglas is the GM who will lead the Jets to a Super Bowl, whether Robert Sala is the right head coach, whether Zach Wilson is the franchise quarterback. But we will have our first indicators. I don't think the final grade will be given, but if you remember back when you were in school, even though you did not get a final grade, sometimes you got something known as a progress report. It showed you how things looked. And by the end of this first season, it's not going to be a deal breaker either way. The Jets could surprise everybody, you know, win 10 games, go to the playoffs. That does not necessarily mean that this is the right group. We've had plenty of false starts before. Todd Bowles winning 10 games his first season. Eric Mangini winning 10 his first season. Even Rex, the great two fir- the great first two seasons, followed by four largely disappointing seasons. I think as much as anything, and this is not very exciting, but it would be a big improvement. I think what you want to see is just pure competency out of these people because it's been a long time since the the Jets have had anything resembling competency, looking like a regular NFL franchise. You want to see not all of these moves that Douglas made this offseason are going to work out. Not all of the draft picks are going to hit, but you want to see players look like they belong. You want to see the offensive line gel. You want Wilson to look credible. There are going to be some awful games thrown in there, but you want him to look like a guy who belongs in the NFL. I mean, you know the quarterbacks who from day one just looked like they were in totally over their head and teams spend the next few years trying to talk themselves into it before finally moving on. You don't want Zach Wilson to look like that. And unlike Wilson's predecessor, I don't think he has a lot of built-in excuses. You know, Darnold, you could talk yourself into because the rest of the roster was so bad. It was almost impossible for a young quarterback to succeed. I don't think Darnold has that. And, you know, you could even go, you could, I don't even think Wilson has that, I beg your pardon. And you could even talk about Mike LaFleur. His first year as an offensive coordinator, there are going to be some growing pains, of course, but you want him to look like he belongs for the most part. Competency only gets you so far in this league. There are competent organizations that don't go much further, that don't you know go deep into the playoffs, that you know never win a Super Bowl. But before we get there, I think what we need to see is basic competency. And 
like other aspects I said earlier in the show, there's no real hard way to quantify that. It's one of those things that I feel like you'll have a good feeling at by the end of the season, whether or not these guys look competent. And like I said earlier, you know, this year it's, it's frustrating because you missed the playoffs 10 straight seasons. But at the end of the day, every time you misfire, you have to go back to square one. And that's kind of where the jets are starting from this year. At least this year, unlike last year, you know, last year it kind of just felt like we we're trying to get through it because none of us really believed in Gase. I mean, we're kind of just hoping for the best. This year, it feels like it could be the first step toward building something for the future. And that's what the Jets need to do this coming season. Next, those, those might be pretty low expectations, but they, I think they beat what the Jets have done in recent seasons if they accomplish it. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll be back next time to talk more Jets.